For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of Believe in the Pac-12 is brought to you by MyBookie. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to MyBookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And MyBookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play and where you should too. Just to give you a little insight, here are my picks for this upcoming NFL week on MyBookie.ag. Pick number one, and these are a parlay by the way. I have Tennessee over Jacksonville minus one and a half. I'm a Marcus Mariota believer. Not a lot of people are. But I am. It may be my organ bias, but I'm, sk- I'm going to stick with it. And also, Gardner Minshew, he's good. But with the Jalen Ramsey controversy on defense, I think Tennessee can win this game. The next one that I have parlayed with Tennessee is Baltimore plus seven versus Kansas City. There's going to be a lot of points in this game. Baltimore's pass defense isn't very good. But I think that Lamar and company are just on fire right now. That offense is rolling. The Chiefs defense isn't great. I think that there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game on both sides. But I think the Ravens will lose. I don't think they'll lose by a touchdown. The third team I'm parlaying those two picks with are the Falcons plus two versus Indianapolis. I know Jacoby Brissett's been pretty good. I know the defense has been there for Indianapolis. But I'm a believer in Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. And I think that those two together along with Ridley and the backfield will be able to walk out of Indianapolis with a win. Once again, my parlay for this week, Tennessee minus one and a half, Baltimore plus seven, and Atlanta plus two. Make sure you join now and bet on MyBookie. MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use my promo code REPLY to activate this offer. That's my promo code R-E-P-L-Y, REPLY. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Ryan Leaf and I will be back in just a moment with Believe in the Pac-12. Welcome to another edition of Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcasting Network. My name is Jonathan Rifkin. I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Ryan Leaf. Ryan, week four. Can't believe we're already here for the Pac-12, and it's an important one. Well, I mean, it's, it's really the kickoff of, of conference season. We've had a couple, USC, Stanford in week two, Cal, UW in week two. Both games ended not in the way we thought they would, where Cal found a way to eke out a victory, and USC absolutely... Uh, pounded a Stanford team. Uh, and now we get into the real deal, right? We have one non-conference, or we have a couple non-conference opponents in, in Cal visiting Ole Miss. Uh, I'm going to be on the call for that, uh, ESPNU. And it's interesting because it's going to be a 12 Eastern kickoff. So it's going to be a 9 a.m. Pacific uh, a conversation you and I have had, uh, a ton of people have had around the controversy of the possibility of the Pac-12 playing 9 a.m. start times to get their product out there more. This was something that was presented to to Cal, and they okayed it, uh, saying we want the opportunity to play in front of a national 
audience and, and show what we're capable of doing. They're not they're not shying away from the opportunity. Uh, Ole Miss is is Ole Miss is a a team that is in the SEC conference, but has struggled. They opened with the loss this year to Memphis. Uh, they were a team that's won five or six games over the last three years. They lose a bunch of their wide receivers. The other non conference opponent, of course, the unofficial I guess eleventh team or unofficial 13th, <laughs> 13th team, team yeah. in the Pac-12, BYU. This has been BYU's opening schedule. Hosted Utah, went to Tennessee, hosted USC, and now we're hosting Washington this week. Washington coming off a big win uh, over Hawaii, who was, I think, very good. They had two wins to open the season against both Pac-12 opponents, uh, and they handled them easily in Washington. I wonder what the what what teams like that do when they have to play the Mountain West and the assumption is that they win those football games. A week ago, USC was only a four-point favorite against BYU. They get beat. This week tells me a lot. UW only a six-point favorite heading to BYU. Uh, this is going to be a very good football game. Uh, excited to dive into the schedule, in particular, those two football games I just mentioned. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss. So, first of all, good for the Pac-12. They get five games on, on Disney-owned uh, sports entities, th- uh, four on ESPN and one on ABC. So, that's actually really good for the Pac-12. Uh, obviously, like you said, Cal, Ole Miss, you'll be on the call. That'll be on ESPN. You followed by BYU-Washington. That gets the ABC slot. And that's a big spot for Washington to be in because I think there's a lot of doubt surrounding Washington after that Cal game. So, if they can go in at BYU, walk away with the win, a convincing win, I think, that'll be important. I think... Uh- What's funny about all this, and, and I mentioned it last week, I don't necessarily know how many people, honest to God, <laughs> know that Cal won the football game. Right. Because it ended at 440 Eastern. They may have looked at it in the box scores, but they still don't see it. And then they didn't see Cal in the top 25 a week ago and UW in it. And then this week, for whatever reason, they decide to throw Cal in it after an uninspired win versus North Texas, and they throw him in there, but also throw him behind UW in the top 25 of the AP poll. I don't get it. They're ahead of, uh, of UW in my top 25. They're ranked number 22 uh, in front of UW, which is 23. But you're exactly right. A ton of opportunity to be in front of a national audience from morning till night. They get the first kickoff of the day at noon Eastern and the last kick of the day with Washington State, UCLA at 730 Pacific. So they're going to get a large, a large audience all day long. Uh, BYU, if I'm, if I'm, a, if I'm a, a, a kid being recruited – or if I'm a recruiter at BYU, I'm like, hey, look at this. Right. Look at how many times we're on national TV. They were on ABC a week ago against USC. They're on ABC at the main primetime setup middle of the day against uh, a Washington team this week. So it's a great recruiting tool, especially if you find out a way or you find a way to win these football games. Uh, big opportunity. The Colorado ASU game, very good football game coming up. Pac-12 Networks has got that one Saturday night. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I want to backtrack here before we get to the Saturday games. USC-Utah. This one is not on your parent network, ESPN. It's actually on Fox Sports 1. Um, Joe Davis will be on the call for that, one of my personal favorites. But USC, uh, they lost last week to BYU in overtime. You could blame the refs for the pass interference call. You cannot blame the refs. Keaton Slovis didn't look uh, like he did against Stanford, but that's more of a testament to, I think, Stanford and the lack uh, of quality defenders that they have that we saw um, especially in that loss to UCF. Utah ranked at number 10, currently the number one team to represent the Pac-12 in the college football playoff. How do you see this game going? Well, it's it's going to decide the South for me, I think. You know, it, it really is. USC got a lot of hype last Monday, and they were talked about in terms of being back, finding their next great quarterback, which all of these things may be true, but they still got to go out and perform and win football games. And they 
showed up in, in, in Provo and, and didn't get it done. You know, that young freshman quarterback played more like a freshman, turned it over three times, and they lost the football game in overtime, which put them, uh, you know, in a, in a tough spot. Utah coming to town looks every bit as good as what we expected them to look when the season started. They haven't necessarily played anybody. Uh, BYU looking better, that win looking much better now uh, in, in week one. And what they did against Northern Illinois and Idaho State were just, like I always said, find ways to win that. And when the big one happens on a short week, this week in Southern California, go out and perform. Tyler Huntley has been impressive. He is 78 complete, 78% completion percentage, uh, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He simply, and he also hasn't been sacked once. And that for me is huge uh, because uh, if he's able to stay clean, not turn the football over, that defense that they're going to bring to town next week, if BYU got all after Keaton Slovis and presented problems for him, this defensive front uh, is going to wreak havoc in the Southern California backfield. Yeah, by the way, USC's front seven didn't look very good last week either, which makes me think that Huntley's going to have even more time in the pocket uh, to let plays develop and find his receivers. Who do you have in this game? You know, I, I, I Utah's my team. I, I had them losing one time this season in my preseason uh, predictions. I, I'm still relying on or, or believing in them. Uh, I think USC uh, is who they are, and it's going to be a... Uh, a season of a lot of ups and downs for this football team. Friday night's going to be a great opportunity for them to showcase what they can do. It is at home, and that gives me a little more confidence because of what they did to Stanford a couple weeks ago. But I just, I just think Utah's the better team. Uh, I think they find a way to win this football game. I, I, if I'm a, a better out there, I'm staying away from this game completely because I don't know that the three and a half points, that's, it's that field goal thing. I, I think Utah finds a way to win this football game, but it could be by one point. If, for some reason, USC takes the win and Utah loses, how does the outlook for the Pac-12 down the road now, or how does it become, because Utah has been the team in the Pac-12, uh, you know, number 10 in the rankings right now, that's a big deal for a Pac-12 team now at this point in the season to be top 10. But if they lose, does the Pac-12 have a remote chance of getting somebody in the college football playoff? Well, it depends on what teams do. I think, I think the team that gets to the college football playoff out of the Pac-12 is going to have to be undefeated. So, yes, that, that, it would be devastating. It really would be devastating for the conference if, if USC were to, to beat Utah. Although, ironically enough, if USC is able to beat Utah and, and, and get a couple huge wins over teams like Washington and, and Notre Dame. Yeah. Oh, and Notre Dame. And Oregon. You, you know, those are, those are quality wins. But then a loss to BYU when it's all said and done may limit them from being in the consideration. I mean, there's just so much objectivity to all of this that, that could play out. This conference is uh, uh, a conference that just simply cannibalizes one another. And this is an example of an early game where both are quality football teams and it's going to be competitive. But as a conference in whole and the, and the national conversation, Utah has to win this football game. That game's at 6 o'clock on Fox Sports 1 on Friday evening, a game that Ryan and I both agree will probably decide the South. Now that's not without being said that Arizona State does have an opportunity, I think. It's a big game against Colorado at home, 7 o'clock on the Pac-12 Network on Saturday evening. Colorado with a tough loss last week in overtime to Air Force. But previously, they came back down 17-0 and beat Nebraska uh, in what was a, a convincing second-half win overall for Colorado. This is going to be one of the more intriguing Pac-12 games in my mind. How do you see this one playing out for both sides? Well, I, I think that 
this was a very intriguing one a year ago. We learned more and more about LaVisca Chenault last year and what they were able to do with him offensively. Uh, they started to institute that a little bit more against Air Force last week because I think the liability for them is Steven Montez uh, and what he's been able to do in big-time opportunities for the football team. So uh, I, I look as that Air Force game is more of a anomaly because of who they played. I, I don't think it says who they are as a football team. Therefore, I think this Arizona State football game on Saturday night is going to be much closer than people anticipate. Seven-point favorite Arizona State, I think, is is a is a big number. I think if you're rolling with, with Colorado here, plus the seven, you're okay. Whether they win the football game, I don't know. Uh, I, it's, it's difficult to win down there in the desert. Uh, Arizona State coming off a big win against Michigan State. I think Arizona State wins this football game uh, and continues uh, in their undefeated season and takes them into week five with a, a, another great opportunity. So do you think Arizona State stands, if, if Utah beats USC, or even vice versa, how does that play out for Arizona State? If they win this game, which I think it might be a, a bigger game for them, at least up to this point of the season, I know Michigan State last week, but in conference, what's their chance at winning the South, and what does that do now, like you said, for a top-heavy Pac-12 that cannibalizes each other? Yeah, it's gonna, they're going to have a hard time. I mean, the South is, if Utah's not what everybody thought they were, they just kind of come back to the field. It's not like somebody extends and takes Utah's spot. Everybody just comes back to one another, and all of a sudden everybody's 7-5, and five, like they were a year ago. That, that's, that's, that's where they would be if Utah were not to be the team that, they, that we think they're going to be. So I don't think that Arizona State winning these football games necessarily means now they're going to run off with the South. They're still going to be the middle of the road, but I think, I think they can be the second-best team in that South behind Utah. And it's better than how we saw Arizona State, State at the beginning of the season and even after week one. I had them, them finishing second. I have them 7-5 and five when the season started. A lot of people had them down. I thought they were going to be better than, than that. So I, I had them finishing second this year behind Utah, uh, USC finishing third. So Arizona finishing fourth, tied for fourth in there like that. So I never thought that Arizona State was a team like a year ago. They thought that they were going to be a lot right. worse. Uh, I knew they were going to be better with a fifth-year senior cornerback this year. Everybody was kind of middle of the road thing. They'd be down with a true freshman quarterback. You know, this is this is all a testament to Herm Edwards and that coaching staff and and the, the positions they're putting them in. I mean, you had a seven and five team at second in the South. That's I mean, do you you see that the South obviously is weaker than the North? Yes, you know, five of the best six teams in the conference are from the North, in my opinion. Not anymore. I think Stanford now is below that. I think it goes uh, as I showed my power rankings this week. I have Utah at one. Washington State at two, Oregon at three, Cal at four, University of Washington at five, Arizona State at six, Arizona at seven, USC at eight, Colorado at nine, Stanford at ten, which is unbelievable to think that Stanford is tenth in the power rankings after only three weeks. We'll learn a lot when they play Oregon this weekend. And Oregon State at 11 followed up. At the bottom of it again, once again, UCLA. Good for you, Oregon State, not holding up the bottom of the Pac-12. Uh, finally, after a few seasons of being down and out, thank you, UCLA, for that one. I want to get to the cal Ole Miss game in a second, but I want to transition here to the Oregon-Stanford game because I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is very well a trap game for Oregon. Everybody remembers a year ago, C.J. Verdell fumbled after Oregon was up big. Stanford clawed their way back, and then the fumble happened. They ended up securing the win. Oregon fans were unhappy. They were throwing trash at the Stanford players. They entered the tunnel at Autzen. Uh, it was a whole blowover with the athletic department. Oregon and Stanford don't like each other. It's safe to say. But Stanford always finds a way to beat Oregon in ways where 
when you go back and you look at it, Oregon really beats themselves. Is this one of those games, or do you see Oregon finally sort of breaking that, that streak against Stanford, going to Stanford, and getting a big win? Yeah, that loss to Auburn in Week 1 uh, squashed any possibility of, of trap games for Oregon this year. It really did. They have now no margin for error in what they do week to week, and this football game is an opportunity for them to go on national television, ABC or, or ESPN, I mean, uh, with the number two crew and Todd Blackledge and, and Sean Mc, McDonough, this is the opportunity for them. But also for me, this is going to be more. This is going to be more about what Stanford brings to the table. After the two embarrassing losses the last two weeks, what are they capable of doing? What is their character about? Are they going to show up? Is the fan base going to show up? Because they have a real hard time bringing fans in anyway to the farm, regardless of how good the football team is. And if they're this kind of, if they're this kind of poor, you know, this may be just a just an absolute beat down by the Oregon Ducks. Um, I anticipate it, it looking that way. They are they are favored by ten and a half points going to the farm. That is a that is a ton, a ton of points. What's crazy is I think they might get it. I think this may be the coming out party against the Stanford team. Don't forget since the Pac twelve conference was uh, established and the division split up, it was really all Oregon Stanford. Whoever won this football game was the North champion and arguably the, the Pac-12 champion. So it may have lost its luster a little bit with the injuries that have played out in Stanford and the way they performed. I think Oregon goes down and absolutely puts a whooping on them. I don't see them looking at this as a trap game at all. In fact, I think they look at what happened a year ago and are still pissed about it and want an opportunity to get some get some some revenge on this football team, and they're getting a football team that's really licking their wounds right now in the Stanford Cardinals. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you mentioned that that offensive line, the injuries for Stanford. Oregon's front seven, really, really good. Look for Troy Dye to be in the backfield uh, pretty consistently trying to get at Costello, a guy uh, who really didn't, like you said in our last episode, look like himself last week against UCF. He needs a big game, um, but I think Oregon is going to lock down, and it's going to be a tough one for Stanford to pull out or even get within that 10.5-point spread. Take the over. That's all I have to say about that one. Uh, let's get to that Ole Miss-Cal game. So we saw a big win for Arizona over Texas Tech, another Power 5 opponent last week. Now it's Pac-12 versus SEC. Now, mind you, Ole Miss had that opening week loss to Memphis 20-15, to and I wouldn't consider them in the upper echelon of the SEC, but nonetheless, it is still another Pac-12 versus SEC game, one that Cal on the road in Oxford, 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 <laughs> and that you'll be at, uh, needs to win. Yeah, I mean, they... They need they need to win as they need to win football. They've been three and zero the last three years under Justin Wilcox, and then the wheels kind of came off for them. This is an opportunity to go down, beat a quality opponent, Power Five opponent in their backyard on national TV, and be four and zero coming home. And I, I have I had a lot of expectations for this football team. I thought they would be an eight and four football team where they got over on teams like um, Stanford this year, uh, Washington State. Uh, I would I. I I said a long time ago that I don't think they're they're, they're quite prime time ready to, to win the Pac-12 North, but they're going to decide who does. They've already thrown a wrench into that by beating Washington in Week 2. So uh, what they do well and what Justin Wilcox is all about is playing really, really good sound defense, getting turnovers, not turning the football over, limiting possessions offensively, and running the football. And they've done that uh, very well through the first three weeks. And if they're able to do that and neutralize what Ole Miss brings to the table, and that's high-speed offense with uh, Rich Rod, offensive coordinator, and kind of a stymieing defense with Coach McIntyre, who knows the Pac-12 conference. Both of them do. 
um, we'll find out a lot. But I, I think Cal continues their stretch. Uh, they are underdog by one point just because I think it's a road game down in the south where it's going to be hot and muggy and it's early 9 a.m. Pacific kickoff time for them. I think Cal finds a way to get it done under Justin Wilcox and uh, and looks to win. I don't, I don't know, uh, and I'm not necessarily going to dive that much d- deeper into it, but I think this is going to be a solid matchup. I'm excited to be on the call uh, on Saturday morning. 9 a.m. Pacific, get that Saturday morning action with Ryan Leaf and company on ESPNU. You said in our last episode that there's no real reason to talk about UCLA until maybe week eight, eight. so maybe for the next four weeks we just kind of put a pin in that, and you know Washington State is probably going to blow them out. Well, they're 19-point favorites. Oh, so um, Always bet the spread with, with, with Gordon at quarterback. That's my motto this season. Well, they didn't do it this week. Uh, the, the darn defense let them score a a meaningless touchdown at the end, and, and Washington State did not cover on Friday night. So, um, yeah, I think Washington State, you know, continues their dominance of UCLA, and, and Chip Kelly and, and that staff are, are going to continue to shake their head and, and try not to go on five a week later, but I have Washington State uh, winning that football game handily. Seven games on the Pac-12 slate coming in week four. Six of them nationally televised, very big for the Conference of Champions, a conference that hasn't had a champion in the Pac-12, or rather in the uh, in the college football playoff era and they're really itching to get it but I don't know if they're going to be able to do it this week or I don't think they'll be able to do it this week they're certainly not going to be able to but this season uh but week four Ryan what are you looking to come out at the end of this week well I I need the teams that are supposed to win uh for the conference to win so I need Utah to beat USC I need UW to beat BYU and I need Oregon to beat Stanford so right now the three teams that everybody are talking about in terms of representing the Pac-12 conference, uh, are Utah, UW, and Oregon. And Oregon and UW already have blemishes on their record. And people say, "Well, what about Wazoo? What about Arizona State? Both undefeated." And I said, "Yes, they're both undefeated." Washington's road schedule is just ap- Washington State's road schedule is just absolutely brutal. Arizona State, they didn't fill me with a ton of confidence in how they won, even the week before against Sac State. My biggest takeaway about Arizona State is their lack of running the football well. They have one of the best running backs in the country in Eno Benjamin over 1,600 yards a year ago, and he has not been the influencer that he's needed to be this year, especially with a freshman quarterback at the helm. So I want to see more from him. Uh, Washington State, I want to see much of the same. Cal, I want to see that stymieing defense. Uh, I want them to put pressure on the quarterback, and I want them to represent the conference in terms of what a 9 a.m. kickoff could look like in terms of what the body. I know that's going to be a big story this week. We'll keep an eye on that. So those are the big games for me in terms of how this needs to play out. you got teams being able to sit at home and watch this week on bye weeks. Uh, Oregon State, Arizona uh, are, are a couple of those. Um, so it's a big week. Conference, conference season is kicking off, um, with the exception, of course, Cal and UW with their big non-conference opponents. It's going to be fun. I'm excited for week, uh, week four to take off, um, and, and we'll talk about it next week when we, uh, when we come back. I think that'll about do it for us here for our week four preview. A big week for Pac-12 as conference slate begins all across the board besides Cal at Ole Miss and Washington at BYU. Still two very big games for the Pac-12, the conference of champions. For Ryan Leaf, my name is Jonathan Rifkin. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe across all media or podcasting listening platforms. This has been Leaving the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcasting Network. We'll see you next week. Enjoy week four.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.